There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Rule the World, the ultimate power of storytelling. Storytelling is what connects us as humans, and for brands, it is no different. A well-told story can effectively position your brand in the minds and hearts of your audience, and can convert thoughts and feelings into results and revenue. On this show, we dive into the unique and recurring principles of world-class storytellers from every walk of life to help you level up your storytelling skills and knowledge to drive real, measurable results for you and your organization. Here's your host, Paul Furlong. Hello and welcome to Rule the World, the art and power of storytelling. My name is Paul Furlong, Creative Director at Opus Media, and I imagine you're listening to this podcast because you know the power of storytelling. And I want you to bring that power to your own writing with Roger Shulman at thewritercoach.com. Roger's unique coaching method connects your personal story to whatever you're writing, giving it heart and depth. The result Your presentation, website copy, keynote address, or screenplay becomes compelling, entertaining, and persuasive. Roger is the winner of a British Academy Award and nominee for the Oscar and the Emmy. So go to thewritercoach.com and schedule a free discovery session. Let Roger bring the Hollywood to your writing. Today's guest is Andrew Gibson. Andrew is an executive coach in leadership development, public speaking, and career development, and is the author of What's Your URP and the upcoming Make Life Simple. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Paul. Nice to see you. So let's start with you telling us a little bit about who you are and what it is that you do. Sure. So I'm uh, Andrew Gibson. I'm over here in Leeds in Yorkshire, and I work mainly as a coach. I help charities usually with things like income diversity and engagement. And I also help people start businesses and I help people grow businesses. I generally work at the micro end. So I'm really passionate about helping people who need the help the most. And uh, that's how I spend most of my time. So can you remember being told a story that has had a big impact on you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And this is how you and I really met and got to know each other. At last year's BNI Director Conference, so 2019, um, you gave a great talk, which was, as you would expect, all about the art and power of storytelling. And the way you delivered that talk was just so rich for me. There was so much really, really interesting 
an eye-opening information about how stories work uh, and for you to condense that into half an hour has been absolutely was absolutely fantastic i've told loads of people about that um it's available as a podcast here i know and if you haven't listened to it for the people who listen to this one go and check it out it's a fabulous half hour talk and it just helped in terms of allowing me to understand more about how stories work. I've been a, a really keen collector of stories and sharer of stories. Uh, and so I've, I've really appreciated understanding more about how the story worked. Um, and also the, the amazing thing for me with that is the number of people who seem to have engaged with that talk as well. So when I've mentioned it to people, they've either heard it or they've listened to it and they're feeding back, yes, that's changed this for me, that's changed that for me. So the, the particular thing that's been really, really powerful for me from your talk, that helped me to understand how, politici how politicians are working now and how politics is working now. And in particular, if you look at um, three successful campaigns, Donald Trump's American presidential campaign, the Leave campaign in the UK Brexit referendum, and then most recently, the 2019 UK general election, all three ran with a very short, very simple slogan, which, as you so beautifully described last year, um, was a, a great, they're great stories in themselves, and they're entirely context-free. So the context is left to the audience. So if you want to make America great again, the context can work out what that means for them and vote for it. If you want to take back control, audience can work out what that means for them and vote for it. If you want to get Brexit done, again, the context is left to the eyes of the audience and they vote for it. And in every case, they won, while their opponents were campaigning the traditional way, which was to share lots of detail about policies and investments and changes they were going to make and plans and projects and all the rest of the stuff, which, frankly, were not engaging and people didn't vote for them. So the, in terms of the power of storytelling, I don't think there's any greater example um, than those three and for me, my understanding of that started when we met last year. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for um, uh, reminding me of that and uh, for for that being the, the story that's had the greatest impact. Um, so what, one of your areas of expertise is social capital. Can you define the term social capital for us? Yes, and um, social capital is one of those which is actually as a term has been around for a long time. So late 19th century uh, philosophers had um, this idea that in society we had human capital um, and that somehow we could use this as a resource, somehow this could be measured. Um, and it really has been developed over the 20th century through a number of articles, a number of, of papers, um, and indeed it's become a, a subject in itself and there's, there's lots and lots of, of work going into what this means. And the idea of social capital is that, um, if you like, it's your reputation just turned into something which is measurable. So your reputation is really, we, all, we always say your reputation is what people are saying about you when you're not there. Uh, and if you like, people are telling stories about you. So social capital is the idea that your narrative in your network is a resource. So going back to politics, for example, 
if you look at the people who are at the top of governments, the top of political parties, they usually are blessed with high social capital. So if you look at their backgrounds, they're usually fairly well connected. They come from a family that was well connected. They're usually educated at institutions and, and um, schools and universities that are well connected. And the network that they build through those experiences is a great start. And then they build a reputation. They get involved in things. They make a difference for people. Um, they get uh, they get known as people who make a difference. Stories are told about them. Um, and in many cases, those stories are a mixture of what you would what you might think of as good and bad. But of course, that's a rounded personality. Those stories shared in their network then become something which helps them to get noticed. Uh, and particularly in the world of politics, people vote for personalities. There's that classic thing in American elections, for example, where one of the questions that voters apparently ask themselves is, would this would this candidate be a good guy to have a beer with or a good or a good person to have a barbecue with? And if they can see themselves doing that, they might vote for them, which seems like a crazy way to decide who's going to run your country. But, you know, that's, that's social capital in action. And so for um, business people, and maybe those who are, are not blessed with having attended Eton or uh, being from a very wealthy background. What steps do we need to take to build our social capital from the ground up? Well, this is where, um, especially we, we kind of put this in the category of, you know, customer service. So, for example, um, we'll have departments and large companies will have departments that deal with correspondence with customers and they'll often deal with complaints they'll often deal with um, challenges about the quality of service or the quality of product provided and they'll have set procedures about how they look after these and there'll be tiers of support that they can offer and it's all scripted and it's all it's all done in a in a very kind of formal cost controlling kind of a way um the the bit that i think people in business need to recognize is that there's actually a value to boosting and growing your reputation within your network. And if we think of some of the great companies out there, um, usually they're great because there are great stories about the customer service that they've offered. Yeah. So we also know lots and lots of companies where there's not so great uh, stories out there, where their customer service is seen as poor. People tell those stories probably more quickly, more readily than they tell the stories about companies making a difference and actually um, doing things which are recognizably fantastic. So companies need to be aware of the impact that this has. And the impact is, uh, is directly translatable in terms of how they engage with people, the difference that they're making for people. Uh, when things go well, the fact that they're consistently going well when things go wrong, the fact that they make them go well really, really effectively and efficiently doesn't have to cost a lot of money. But if you're thinking about, well, what's my reputation going to look like after I've dealt with this issue? That's a really important thing. Um, and we just need to look at, you know, in the current circumstances, we're recording this podcast in the in the middle of the uh, of the COVID-19 pandemic the people who are making a difference at the moment are not the captains of industry so much. They're the people on the front line. Um, they're, they're, and their reputation, their social capital is going through the roof. And people are talking about um, campaigns for some recognition for that, whether it's medals, whether it's extra payments, whether it's salary increases. Um, everybody is, is saying, yep, stuff should be done to recognise this. Um, they haven't gone out and consciously done that, 
but my my proposal is that you can actually consciously do that uh, as just as human beings making a difference in the world or as um, corporate titans the way you run your business and so the the way that we run the business is obviously going to be the story that exists and that goes out into the world and, and gets passed around about us how can we impact how that story is told what what makes a great story about ourselves and how that story is told well this is where i think the the essence of a great story is about where something some somebody has made a difference um i think it's less about what people have done and and the more i look into this the more i um the more i think if you're if you're looking at internally if you're looking inwards and thinking what do we do and how do we do it differently how do we do it better how do we do it you know there's huge amounts of money invested in improving efficiencies um in in internal processes and that's fine you you know you do need to look at how you improve things internally and of course i, I used to work in big businesses i know that there's very very good financial reasons for doing that however if you're not looking externally with the same forensic detail to say what difference are we making what difference is this product making for our customers um, and how do we notice this difference how do they notice this difference people will tell stories about when somebody made a difference for them and usually they'll tell stories about how somebody helped them and it doesn't have to be an accurate story it's about getting the message across it's about getting the feeling across it's that feeling of having been supported, having been helped. And if you're making a difference to people, I suggest we actually start going out and looking. And instead of following up and saying, you know, rate our services on a scale of one to 10, um, my, my mobile phone provider, for example, every single time I contact their telephone call center, I will get four text messages from them asking me to rate their scale of service from zero to 10. And I know that this is the uh, net promoter score system in action. Um, and I'm happy with my mobile phone provider and I'm happy to play that game and I'm happy to put those numbers in. But those numbers in themselves don't capture a story. They just capture data. I'm not actively out there promoting my mobile phone supplier to people simply because I've answered four text questions and, and put in four numbers. If on the other hand, they rang me up and said, just out of interest, uh, you've just been onto our call center. Um, did we make a difference for you today? And if so, what was it? And let the customer tell in their own words the difference that they made. They start capturing some stories. And then, of course, guess what? Uh, we have a huge opportunity with social media to be broadcasting stories. Uh, and this is coming back to another one of the things I learned from your talk about making the making somebody else the hero of the story. Instead of going out there and saying, we're great because we helped this person in this way, just make the other person great. Pick the ones where your differences help them make a difference and tell those stories about how great they were. And as a result, you will look good. And that's a really useful thing to do. And then you know what? You will have bucket loads of stories that you can be sharing on social media, making other people look good. And by building other people's social capital, I'm convinced you will build your own. And especially if you're a big corporate, you really need to be doing that right now because those are the those are the behaviors that engender loyalty. And loyalty is something which I think is, again, sadly neglected by big businesses who are often very keen to attract new customers and put a lot of effort into new customers. And as long as they're putting more effort into new customers and attracting more new ones than they're losing, then they think that they're growing. But actually putting effort into loyalty 
is, I think, a far, far more efficient and effective way of, of maintaining your, and growing your business. And that's a question that you asked me the first time that we met. Um, please tell me a story of how you've helped somebody recently. Um, so how do you use that question when you're meeting new people, when you're meeting new businesses? How do you use that personally? And why is that such a powerful question? It's a, it's a very powerful question because it gets to the heart of the person I'm talking to. So the, usually when you are talking to somebody about their business and uh, talking to them about maybe growing their business, you know, I obviously spend a lot of time helping my clients to, to look for new business, look for new sources of income for their charities. Um, the temptation is to ask the question, so what do you do? And we see this a lot. If you, if you look at um, vans driving around, you will see an awful lot of people who've listed all of their products and all of their services on the side of the van. Um, now, it may be obvious that, that the product and the service is what I need, but I'm never going to commit them all to memory. And I'm only going to know the simple ones because I can't possibly be an expert in what everybody does. Um, I'm sure that you delivering your job and running Opus Media Poll, you have a hell of a lot of technical stuff and equipment and things that you do and processes you follow and all the rest of it. Um, it's taking you years to develop them, years to learn them. And in a half hour conversation with the best one in the world, I'm not going to learn them in such a way that I could relay them to somebody else. But if you told me a story of how you helped somebody, you give me an example of the type of people that you want to help. You'd give me a story that relates to making a difference for someone. If that difference was something which was of benefit, maybe I know some other people who might also want that benefit. Means I can introduce you, means I can be thinking of you when I meet somebody who needs who has that need. And it also means that I've got something to follow up. So when I want to introduce you, I might say, okay, so I find an opportunity to help somebody um, by introducing them to you. Um, and they say, oh, well, Paul, what does he do? And I can say, well, he runs this fantastic media company, marketing company, makes videos, does photography, does marketing, da 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 And they go, yeah, I've already got one of them. If I tell a story, on the other hand, that chimes with them about you making a difference for somebody similar to them who had similar needs, they're quite likely to have a chat with you even though they've got somebody else who maybe they know already and maybe they are already working with because you're making a difference and they're thinking, hmm, the person I'm working with at the moment doesn't make that difference for me. I know, I'll chat to Paul and I'll see if I can have a conversation. So the story helps focus my direction of, of thinking about you into people you actually want to help, ways you can actually help them and your core values come across in the stories that you tell as well, because you'll tell me a story that you're passionate about and and that will come across. Uh, and that can take five, 10 minutes. And of course, I can remember the story and get it wrong and it doesn't actually matter. Whereas if I learn what you do and then try and tell people what you do, I might set you up to fail because I then say, oh, Paul, let me introduce you. I've told them you're going to do this, this and this. And you go, ah, actually, that's not what I'm going to do. And now you've got to roll this back to something that you do want to do. And I've set you up to fail. And the, the probably the simplest and also the worst example of this is when people, when they're talking about what they do, also talk about the price. If they talk about how much they charge. So um, we've all seen it. People will be out there saying, you know, introductory session, £99, for example. 
So I now go out and I want to introduce somebody and I say, oh, they're great. And guess what? Their introductory session is only £99. And then, oh, that sounds like a bargain. Brilliant. I'll talk to them. I make the introduction and my friend who does the introductory session says, hang on a minute, these guys need way more than an introductory session. I can't possibly help them with that. Oh, uh, well, I've told them that's what you're going to do. And hey, guess what? I've told them you were going to charge £99. Uh, now what are you going to do? So how do you get from there to a proper introduction? For me, it's all about sharing stories. I don't have to go into detail. And when they ask me to go into detail, I can genuinely say, you know what? Paul's the expert. Let me put you guys in touch and he'll, he'll tell you all about it. And then I can get you in at the start of the conversation you then are, it's up to you how you then develop that relationship further. Um, but your story will help me find people who need your help, make that introduction, and then reinforce the introduction with the story about how you help somebody else. It's really simple and we do it all the time. And I think this is a resource that we can actually develop for ourselves. If we focus the stories on how we made a difference for people who we really care about making a difference for, um, and we look for where others are making a difference as well. So how do we go about developing this this resource? So you've talked about um, the mobile phone company asking for the, the score and, and creating the net promoter score, and it would be better if they just rang you up and asked you a question. So great, ask ask our clients the difference that we've made for them so that we can share that with others on social media and, and directly with people who might want to introduce us. But how do we then go about developing that story? Um, how, how do we put that story together to make it a good story that sticks when we want to share it with, with those who, who are willing to listen? Well, so here's here's the fascinating thing, because I'm uh, I'm not convinced that we can take our story and actually do stuff to it and make it stick. OK, um, so, for example, um, the uh, Captain Tom, was it Peters or Parker? I'm trying to remember his name, uh, who's just been um, wonderfully 99 years old um, doing laps of his garden. He's raised. 28 million pounds last time we looked for NHS charities. Um, I know for a fact, because I saw it on our local regional BBC news programme last night, there have been other military uh, men retired and women retired doing similar endurance feats around their back garden or in their local area. And those guys have raised hundreds of pounds. Uh, Captain Tom caught the mood, caught the 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 the, the uh, caught the nation, if you like, and everybody piled in and supported him. And what an amazing job. Fantastic. But what he did was no different to what others were doing. For some reason, it caught the mood. So I and, and the people that caught the mood were the people who wanted to tell his story. So the, 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 the people who started talking about it, the people who started promoting it on social media, then it was picked up by the traditional media, then it's picked up by the television, then it's gone global. And, and before you know it, his story is out there and, and, and loads of people are then engaging with it. And it's amazing. And he's raised lots of money. There will be other people who have done the same or more. For whatever reason, it's not been engaged with quite the same way. So I think the thing for me is we need to be capturing the stories and not really worrying about turning them into things which then make a difference for us. OK, if we go out with a genuine heartfelt, I'm just going to boost this other person's social capital. I'm going to make them I'm going to make a difference for them today by sharing the story of how they made a difference for someone else. Do it consistently and your reputation will build. And some of those stories might just take off, but all of them 
will feed your narrative because your narrative is, is how your story develops over time. They'll feed your narrative of being uh, a useful company, makes a difference, that's always looking out for others, that's happy to help others and so on. And this stuff doesn't cost you huge amounts of money. Um, and the fascinating thing for me is we seem to be going in the other direction at the moment. Um, we have unbelievable amounts of data. We're gathering data all the time. I'm told by a friend of mine that Google, for example, has a department called People Analytics. And People Analytics uh, is, is busy trying to crunch all the data that Google has on individual people so that they can identify great candidates for, um, for, for, for employed positions and so on. Um, they can offer this as a service then to employers. We've spent years and years and years developing psychometric testing and personality profiling to try and identify what makes people tick. Um, so many talking therapies involve looking inside people's brains and trying to work out how the brain works. There are more models for how the brain works uh, than practically any other part of the human body because we just don't understand it. And we've never understood. So we, we scientifically, we understand how the brain works physically, if you like, the physiognomy of the brain. But in terms of where personality sits, this has been something which has been a challenge throughout millennia. Um, and and so what, what makes personality? What makes it what makes us tick as human beings? Uh, and analyzing it as, as a computer model, analyzing it as a data model, I don't think is ever going to work because stories are so much richer than data. And indeed, uh, you mentioned context earlier on, too much data destroys all the context. So we, we, we are barking up the wrong tree, I think. Um, and I think it's worth not worrying too much from a corporate point of view, not actually thinking, how do we make this story into something for us? Because if you do that, that's the wrong way around. That's focusing inwards again and doing it for your own benefit. Just do it for others, for others' benefit. And if you're boosting other people, which can be done very, very easily, capturing some stories, putting them out there, boosting the stories that you see, um, be a useful member of your community, if you like, and your story will start to grow. And you mentioned context again there. Um, you mentioned it at the beginning. Um, how important is the context of a story? This was one of the most amazing things from um, from your talk last year, because this was all new to me. Um, the very uh, the very essence of this is in knowing where to where to draw the line. So I mentioned, for example, if I could introduce you to somebody, I would tell a story um, that was of how you'd met this had met needs for somebody similar. If I then answer the question, oh well, how does he do that? I'm now destroying the context. I'm now trying to over-explain. Uh, I'm trying to um define in the other person's mind exactly what you're going to do and the more of that i do the more they're going to start asking questions of themselves and thinking well is that what i really want do i really want to do that and that sounds a bit complicated and that sounds a bit expensive and the more i share about what i think you might do speculatively the more likely it is that they're going to say mm, you know what i don't really want to talk to him thanks very much because their brain is just going to switch off and they're just going to go, nah, that's that's not for me. So I think knowing where to draw the line is absolutely vital. Um, and this is where, again, coming back to the recent political successes, it was fascinating to see the 2019 UK general election, because for those of us who are kind of political nerds, um, there was a lot of criticism of the Conservative Party manifesto for being quite short and being short of detail. 
And I remember seeing something said, it's only 52 pages long. You know, how could we possibly have a manifesto that's only 52 pages long? Um, they won with a thumping majority because the people who were voting for them just wanted to get Brexit done. That's it. And so anybody who wanted to get Brexit done uh, and had had enough of the whole Brexit process was able to vote for the Conservative Party and in their own mind feel confident that they would get what they wanted, which was Brexit done. Now, that could be translated into any one of the the things that were specific to them or, or multiple things that were specific to them because it was left to them to work it out for themselves. And the Conservative Party made no attempt to explain what getting Brexit done actually meant. And, and fair enough, that's their right, that's their prerogative. Um, but of course, it, it, it meant then that people could vote for them without worrying, without asking too many questions of, well, what if, what if, what if? So I think leaving context actually gives people certainty. Now, the interesting thing from a political point of view is whether or not this will come to pass as the time when politicians started over-promising and under-delivering. Because when they actually come to uh, deliver what they say they're going to deliver, I do wonder if we're going to have a lot of voters going, hang on a minute, that wasn't what I really wanted. And so there's a, there's a danger that you can leave the context too open. And I think it'd be interesting to see how the political um, uh, the political world develops in that direction right now. Um, but from, a, from a, a, a corporate point of view, from a business point of view, um, if, we're, if we're going too far into the detail of what we do and how we do it, I think we set ourselves up to fail. Um, we, we start putting barriers in, in place. Um, I'm sure we've all had it. You, you and I have been in business for a little while now, um, and I'm sure we've all, we've both had it in the early years when somebody, when a client wants the full details of what we're going to do, and you diligently go away and you write a proposal with full details of what you're going to do, and then they come back and go, ah, we don't really want that, thanks. And you think, ah, but that's a wonderful piece of work, and I've, I've spent days on that, and look at all the detail, look at all the detail. And actually, they don't really want to know all the detail because that's your world. What they want to know is the difference that you're going to make for them after you've done your thing. And if the proposal says, here's the difference that we're going to make, um, here's how you and I have agreed you're going to value this, you're going to measure this, um, here's pretty much top level what we're going to have to do, how long it's going to take, um, and here's the price. Then they can decide whether they can afford it or not. Um, and so top line level about differences that you're going to make um, top line stories about differences already made, uh, those are useful stories. Um, leave the detail until after, because at, at the start of the relationship, the start of the conversation, it's really not useful. That's um, That's been a really fascinating discussion, Andrew. Really, uh, really appreciate um, all of the time that you've taken to, to talk about that. I'm aware of the, the time that we've got left. So I'd love to ask you just a, a few quick fire questions, if that's okay with you. Um, so who do you think of when you hear the word story? And why do you think of that person? Um, well, the first person that comes to my mind is somebody you and I have seen a lot at um, conferences and so on. And that's Ivan Meisner. He's the uh, founder and chief engineer officer of BNI, where we're both connected. And he tells amazing stories. He's gathered stories for years and years and years. He tells them in an engaging and interesting and fascinating way. They're stories which are easily shared and um, and they're stories about making a difference for others. And they, they take all the boxes for me. Um, so, yeah, and I think you can see his social capital is is absolutely massive and, and still growing because of the, you can see the stories that he shares 
Um, and yeah, he, he definitely is front of mind when it comes to the power of story. And can you recommend any good books or websites, blogs, podcasts, any any resources that, that you spend a lot of time reading or, or listening to around uh, the, the subject of storytelling? I find it fascinating, actually, looking into just social media in general. Um, when you're looking for stories of where people have made a difference, there's some fabulous resources out there. Uh, there's some great uh, radio programs um, about uh, about the differences people have, been, have made. If you listen to, for example, uh, The Untold with Grace Dent on Radio 4, some fantastic stories about people in communities that we'd never otherwise get any kind of exposure and they make brilliant stories. And as half hour episodes, they're very well worth checking out. But yeah, if you're on social media, have a look for where people are making a difference. Have a look for the stories about the good in the world. Have a look for the stories about what's working well. Um, and you'll find some amazing resources if you if you tune in to look for those things. And last question, Andrew, where can we find out more about you? Where can we find you online? Where can we find your books? Um, t t tell us more about where we can find you. Thank you. So um, I have a website, andrew-gibson.com, um, where you'll find out um, all about me and, and the things I'm up to. Um, in terms of the books, What's Your URP is available on Amazon globally, and um, Make Life Simple will be available on Amazon very soon. Um, I'm just about to send my final draft to the publisher, so that's very, very exciting for me, and hopefully very exciting for Rick Armstrong, my publisher as well. Um, and uh, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, you can find me on Facebook, you can find me on uh, Twitter as well. Uh, and I'm very delighted to have been here with you this morning, Paul. Thank you very much for, for having me and for being such a gracious host. I really appreciate you spending time with us and, and sharing your, your insights and your knowledge into storytelling and social capital. Thank you for joining us and uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you very much, Paul. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Rule the World. Be sure to rate, review and subscribe to the show and visit weareopusmedia.com for more resources based on today's topic, as well as access to more episodes that will help you develop your storytelling abilities. That's weareopusmedia.com. Thank you and see you next time.